Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky has crying D'Lo replaced crying Jordan as the go-to meme for Lakers fans. That's next. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always free and never behind a paywall. And Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to join over 22,000 subscribers, many of whom are talking about D'Angelo Russell and what the Lakers ought to do with him at the trade deadline. Um, we did not really get a chance to talk about uh, D'Angelo Russell after the game on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, I should say, Lakers beat Portland and are led in scoring by Russell, who have played another really solid game for them. Um, so uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on Russell today, Andy, because he is related to just about everything that uh, else is going on, whether you're talking about the trade deadline, he is the front and center for that, whether you're talking about Vibes Watch, which got uh, hot, uh, really intense after Sunday's game, or whether you're talking about whether or not the uh, the trade deadline is messing with the psyche of the players, all of that stuff. What should the Lakers get for D'Lo? Should they trade him at all? All coming up on today's episode. Do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, make every moment more. Uh, right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. I, I think when a guy like D'Angelo Russell, Andy, gets the, is playing the way he is, he's at the center of everything the Lakers are talking about, the trade deadline, all of a sudden looks, you know, like too valuable to go. Like the 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 head snap back and forth on him has been uh, pretty impressive, and uh, I don't think many Lakers fans exactly know how to feel about Russell right now. It's like we've said during both of D'Angelo Russell's stints with the Lakers, both of which we've covered. He is a very polarizing player, and that polarization, you know, by definition, means it can swing in all sorts of different directions. And he's also a player that when when he is on, and D'Angelo Russell was on against the Blazers during that 24-point win, he had 34 points on 14 of 21 shooting, hit six of 11 threes, eight assists against zero turnovers, plus two blocks. Nights like that, and he has been on a straight-up heater of late. D'Lo looks like the type of player that you start becoming tempted, if nothing else, to look past a lot of the stuff that drove you crazy about him. And in the case of a lot of Laker fans, because we heard from many of them after the Western Conference Finals against Denver, which was an absolute disaster for D'Lo, they didn't even want to retain him, despite the fact that replacing him with you know, another guy at his level was virtually impossible. It was basically, we'll take our chances. It's, you know, and, and it, you know, the problem here is he's the only guy, one of the only guys who kind of is easily slotted in to bring in some kind of help. The Lakers are 22 and 22. They're clearly not what anybody wants them to be. And even when they've been healthy, you know, you can find different numbers. We've seen the one from, 
uh, you know, uh, Cranjus McBasketball, Tim underscore NBA, Lakers exceptionalism podcast that you know, the Lakers, I believe now he said after the Sunday game are 19 and 11 in non back-to-back games um, where they have their rotation available to them, fewer than three guys missing. Um, I would be curious to see what other teams are under the same circumstances because I would imagine if you strip away some of those other things, you know, the Denver Nuggets, the Oklahoma City Thunder, all of those teams also improve uh, in terms of their record. And are you know, if the Lakers are on a 50-win pace there, those teams probably are on a 50- or 60-win pace. Um, but either way, it I think what it really speaks to is just there is a growing awareness and a growing understanding that you do not automatically improve by trading Russell. That, that if you trade Russell, and look, go trade the guy. It's fine. I, you know, I, I, we're both you know card-carrying citizens of Delo Island, but trade him if you can get better. But that's an if. Like you have to be able to understand that you're giving up. The, the ball movement, you're giving up the outside shooting, you're giving up uh, you know some of the scoring. And like you have to replace that stuff or the team won't get better. You're also too, and I think this is really important, you're giving up a chemistry with Anthony Davis. And that matters a lot. And I will beat this drum for however long D'Angelo is on this team. There's nobody that more consistently looks for Anthony Davis and I think is aware of AD than D'Lo. He also, though, the last few games has displayed a great chemistry with LeBron, which we mm-hmm. saw on a couple pretty pretty breathtaking <laughs> sequences. You know, the, the bounce pass he set for a LeBron alley-oop in transition, uh, essentially like a lob to LeBron from the bounce, uh, the fake behind the back pass to LeBron that ended up D'Lo laying up the shot himself. But he talked actually after the game about how he's recently discovered the idea that the best way for him to complement AD and LeBron is to actually play more aggressively and to play more aggressively, not just looking to be a playmaker, but looking for his shot. And, you know, that's something that I think it took a while. As guys who covered the last 10 years of Kobe's career, I think that often was the case with Kobe. And it would take guys a while to figure out that, you know, the thing Derek Fisher always talked about, which was protecting your space with Kobe. And he was, probably Kobe's all-time favorite teammate, but Fish used to say all the time, if you do not protect your space and establish your value that is independent to Kobe while playing with Kobe, he will steamroll you. And sometimes you've got to, the best way to help Kobe is to play aggressively on your own terms. And D'Lo also talked to, and I thought this was interesting about how he and Darvin Ham recently had a sit down where, it seems like it was pretty transparent and pretty open. And Delo said, like, one of the things that came up was, what, what are the things I can do to make you trust me more, like, on the floor? So you don't worry about me. I can play more. I can be part of the starting unit. Like, what do you need from me? And Delo didn't go into specifics about what was said, but I find it difficult to believe that at least some of what Darvin was looking for hasn't come out during the stretch. Because D'Lo's been terrific. If you look at the Lakers over the last 15 games, 12 of which D'Lo has played, he's got the second highest net rating of anybody. I'm sorry, third highest net rating of anybody who actually plays rotation minutes. He's behind Rui and Christian Wood. If you look at 
the net ratings of LeBron and D'Lo together, it's positive. If you look at Anthony Davis and Russell together, it's positive. And before you say, well, obviously, everybody who plays with those guys, it's positive. Well, no, it's not. Like Lakers have a lot of negative ratings over the last, you know, if you want to look at individuals too, over the last 12, uh, 15 games, both LeBron and AD are underwater. So it's not like a given that your best players are going to have a positive net rating. Uh, Anthony Davis is a negative 5.6. LeBron is a negative 2.4. I, mean, I, th- I think we can all agree Anthony Davis has played pretty well. I mean, look, if you look at the entire season, um, even with the pronounced slump that D'Lo went through for really all of December, he's still got one of the best net ratings on this team for the year. So it, all in all, he is having a good season. He's not having a perfect season but i will say this if you look at if you look at where the lakers are right now and which has been a lot of treading water one step forward one step back going nowhere very frustratingly slow or fast depending on how you look at it this team is not one guy away for, it does not appear from being a contender in a perfect world you would look to add to delo as, and add another player, keeping D'Lo, keeping Reeves, keeping Rui. Like, I don't know if this is possible. I named those three guys because they're the prime trade assets. I mean, I guess Gabe Vincent, depending on your willingness Gabe to take Vincent, on. And it'd be like, you know, you have to pull Jared Vanderbilt, for example, away from that because he's not eligible to be traded this right. season. So. Exactly. Um, but in a perfect world, you look to add to what you have in D'Lo as opposed to paying, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. I don't know how much better, like DeJounte Murray, even if you think DeJounte Murray is a better player than D'Lo, and I think I'm not even, for the time being, we're looking to have a scouting report coming up this week on DeJounte Murray to get more in depth on that. But even if you think DeJounte is better than him, he is not so much better than D'Lo that if you sub out Murray for D'Lo, all of a sudden this team Right. becomes one of the tops let's, in the West. Let's talk about that because, you know, the, but the concept of trading for DeJounte Murray itself and what it means to take D'Lo off the team, what you know, what you're, you're risking there, and then how D'Lo kind of factors into Sunday night's post-game commentary around Lakers uh, social media, which was entirely based around vibes and bad vibes and, uh, you know, horrible vibes, which are, of course, Darvin Ham's fault, and we'll talk about all of it next. Lockdown League is brought to you by FanDuel, and the NFL playoffs are just about wrapped up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet, that's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, just for 5 bucks. And that app is easy to use. So many different ways to play and bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and obviously there are NBA options. As of this recording, the Lakers are five-and-a-half-point dogs against the Clippers tonight. Anthony Davis is 151 to win MVP and 19-1 to for Defensive Player of the Year. Austin Reeves has fallen to 75-1 to for Sixth Man of the Year, so visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on and make your first bet a layup. All right. So a uh, quick reminder, Andy mentioned the uh, game tonight against the Clippers. This is a big one. You can catch every 
uh, moments every uh, minute of Lakers broadcasts with Sirius XM on the SX, SXM app, Search Giants. Um, it, it, it is a, a complex thing, this uh, whole trade deadline extravaganza, and D'Lo is at the center of it. He was at the center of Vibes Watch after the game. He seemed to be giving very introspective uh, a lot of people interpreted as farewell addresses on the the on-court interview after the game with mike trudell a lakers sideline reporter and then he gets uh, there was the uh the crying delo social media thing that people saw where he was on the 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 bench looking like a sad sad person crying um there was the introspective post-game press conference where he was wearing his sunglasses and speaking in you know, kind of overarching terms. What, where you come down on D'Lo vibes watch, Andy? I mean, the idea that D'Lo is doing post-game interviews in his sunglasses as opposed to what? The other post-game interviews that he does in his sunglasses? He pretty much does all of his post-game interviews in sunglasses. Um, I watched D'Lo's entire post-game. We didn't get into it as much last night because I wanted to make sure that we weren't just reacting to the reaction and actually going through some of this ourselves. I thought D'Angelo Russell sounded like D'Angelo Russell during during post-game press conferences. He's always a pretty introspective, thoughtful. We've talked about this many times, Brian. He's a really bright guy. Like, D'Lo is a really heady guy. And I think that is very typical for him. Um, You know, the look like he might have been wiping away tears thing, I, I feel like that's... There's a certain amount of looking for confirmation bias there. He could have been doing any number of things, including just scratching around his eye. Um, But there also, too, was the idea that he was looking all wistful and introspective and ennui on the bench. And then Rui Hachimura, like they they had like the the split of Rui when he's like excitedly giving like the LA, I'm going to do it wrong, LA thing or whatever. And then, like last night, it was like sad <laughs> LA flashing right. the LA I mean, sign. You know, it could also that could be explained as Dilo as Rui being unhappy that he went two of seven from the floor right. for nine well. points. Right, didn't play well, didn't play a ton. You know, I mean, has and generally speaking, it's not had. You made a great point on Twitter about this, Andy. When it comes to the vibes thing, if the Lakers run off off the floor after blowing out a terrible Blazers team. The the I don't know who these people are, but the Blazers had a 72, a number guy wearing number 72 playing on the same court as a guy wearing 76. Like that shouldn't happen in basketball. If you have a 72 playing at the same time as a 76, you likely have a lot of random dudes that you have no idea where they came from on your roster to sign your team really sucks. Or they're both Dennis Rodman. Yes, or they better be really well-known eccentrics. That's a good point. But these people were not. One of them was signed like the day before, and the other one was a guy that nobody's ever heard of. I mean, congratulations on making you the NBA, but I think people get my point. If the Lakers had run off the court, and this was your point on Twitter, celebrating this blowout win over a god-awful Blazers team. Everyone would be upset with that, too. I think they're annoyed that, like, look, we played well tonight. Why didn't we do that on a Friday? They're 22-22. and They thought they were going to win a title this year or contend for one. They ought to be frustrated and unhappy. Why why should anybody expect different? Well, there's also – there's only – you know, they looked more excited after the wins over the Mavericks and the Clippers, but the truth is – until this starts turning into anything sustained, 
I think there's only so excited any of these guys should really look after a win because they have so much tangible evidence that it's fleeting. So there's only there's only so there's only so much I guess either exuberance or confidence or celebration that one should expect from them. Again, as I pointed out, if these guys were going nuts or really looking super excited after beating a 12-win Blazers team, I guarantee Twitter would have lit up with what the F, man? Like, what are you celebrating? But like with with D'Lo, you know, th there was also too the fact that he had been on the on the bench looking wistful. Um, and then Reeves, Austin Reeves comes in from behind, like, like grabs his shoulders, shoulders like on, the way man, buddies do. Yeah, and you know, and, and Reeves and D'Lo are really close. Like they just hit it off immediately when D'Lo joins the team. That way, yeah. Right. So that lent the narrative that you know, D'Lo was looking down, thinking like, you know, I, nothing lasts forever. This might be my last game. Who knows? And Austin's like, come on, buddy. Like, let's have fun. The other sunrise, way. Sunrise, sunset. Well, you know, it's just it. But you you mentioned confirmation bias, Andy. Like the, you know, so the, it's there with D'Lo. Like he said, like, look, you know, however many hours later, he's still on the Lakers. And, you know, and he, has, and he hasn't moved. And, you know, in the third segment, we talk about how the, the deadline affects these guys i think it's particularly relevant for d'angelo russell but you, you know we talk about confirmation bias there's that clip that went around of you know lebron supposedly calling timeout himself to get himself off the floor because darvin ham was just so out there like so you know addled in his hands and he couldn't get his hands out of his hot pockets and 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 that angel lebron had to do it himself and lebron actually responded on Instagram, I think it was like, no, he told me that he told the foul and then call timeout. And so that's what I did. Like I mean, this, look. this time of year, whether it's stuff like that, or the thing that's been going around with the, the screaming guy in the top corner, screaming about how bad the defense is and how awful Darwin is and all that kind of stuff. That's been really, it's kind of gone viral around. And then like three or four smart people point out, like most of this is wrong. Um, it is a it is a it is a time to be in the same way you have to watch for fake woge, you have to watch for fake analysis on stuff like this too. But look, okay, coming up though, I I do want to acknowledge that there is an elephant in the room this time of year that is real and does affect teams, which explains why even though both of us think a lot of this is people reaching for the conclusions that they want. Right. And ignoring, by the way, like the celebration when D'Lo bounced the ball to LeBron, they're slapping hands and all that. The bench went crazy. Like there's a lot of happy moments right, but he, in there too. He realized on the bench it was the last time he'd ever do that, and I got him right. down. But um <laughs> to be able to bounce a ball to LeBron. Right. But there is there is a reason that you could come to these conclusions, and we'll talk about them next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Prize Picks, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And with basketball coinciding with the NFL playoffs, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, created specifically for projections that include two more players from different sports leagues like LeBron and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made in receptions. And with the prize picks reboot policy, your entry stay in play, even if 
one of your players gets injured for NFL games, NBA games. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half, doesn't return in the second, that player gets rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. There is a difference between adding significance to things, assigning meaning to things from your television screen based on the fleeting moments that something happens to be captured um, and ignoring the, all the part, the other parts that might not be captured or the parts that were captured that just don't fit the, the, the narrative you're constructing. There's a difference between that and overreacting, which I think both of us are saying people are doing, and saying that there's nothing going on that impacts vibes, particularly around the trade deadline, and particularly around D'Angelo Russell, um, who I think, Andy, we would also both agree, is uniquely impacted by trade deadline talk relative to other players on the Lakers. I mean, first of all, he is as hyper-aware as anybody on the team that trade deadline time could mean moving because he has been moved by every single team he's ever played for, including the one he currently plays for. So he knows that this is real. It's a disruptive time for players in general. Like I remember during LeBron's first season with the Lakers, when leading up to the deadline, you know, LeBron was making it perfectly clear that he wanted to be playing with Anthony Davis and he wanted the Lakers to go get Anthony Davis. And he, did not give a rat's ass how the Lakers went about doing it. Yeah. Go get me Anthony Davis. That led to a period where the trade rumors were all just rampant with this whole team. Remember one of the games, I think it was Indiana, that the crowd was chanting, LeBron's going to trade you. Rajon Rondo talked after the deadline passed about how that period was stressful for him. Rondo was like probably like a 15-year veteran in the league who had been through basically everything you can, including getting exiled by a team with, with Dallas. Like, th there should be nothing that rattles a guy like Rondo, yet that period was stressful because the idea of forced relocation, even though it's part of sports, nobody likes it. So if you're asking me if I think the deadline has guys hyper-aware of their future or lack thereof with the Lakers, yes, of course it does, but that's, I think, also pretty common for most players, or at least most teams. There's somebody dealing with this. And when you're Russell, you know, A, you signed a contract. The second you signed the contract, you were already put back on the block, um, you know, and, and understandably, like, if you wanted to have more security, maybe there was another deal he could have signed that had more years attached to it, but... You know, there th was almost guaranteed to be put right back on the trade block, no matter what kind of deal he signed, because you know the the, the commitment to the, of the Lakers to Russell um, versus other players of Lakers fans of you know like you know whatever to whatever degree that stuff matters, it was less than the ideal. Oh, well, Rui Hachimura is part of our future. Gabe Vincent's part of our future. Jared Vanderbilt part of the future. Russell didn't get that. When you are traded as often as he is, these are prideful people. And Russell 
is a very good basketball player. He has made an all-star team. Is he a perpetual all-star, all-star adjacent player? No, he's probably a step below that. You know, and as as um, uh, Ken, uh, Kenny Casey on uh, 2369 points out on YouTube, he's still not athletic. He can't defend the perimeter. So in the playoffs, he's still going to be a liability and he's not going to show up in the playoffs if we get there something right there to talk about uh he's going to disappear in a big game is real close uh or a real close game look we all know the i might disagree with some of that analysis he played pretty well in two of the three series last year but we all know point being some of his shortcomings and that he can be played off in in a playoff series but he's a really good player and the idea that he's just one of these guys that's going to be shuffled throughout the league that hurts your personal pride as a player i don't think he wants to be traded again don't think he wants to leave the situation that he's in with L.A. Don't think he wants to be routed to a third team um, because Atlanta doesn't really want him, as there's the uh, the reporting that came out um, over the weekend and into Monday. So, yeah, he's not going to come off as super excited when every day he's getting different reports and hearing from his agent and talking to people. It's like, well, yeah, no, if they can find a different, like nobody wants that. You don't know if you're staying, you don't know if you're going, and you really feel like nobody appreciates what you actually bring by the 13th time you've been traded. Yeah, I was going to say, especially when it feels like you getting traded would be fait accompli if only there would be another team that actually wanted you or like didn't feel like your contract was a pain in the ass, even though it's not even that long or that, by NBA standards, that pricey of a contract. Like. Stuff like that when you're a player like D'Lo, who is, if nothing else, a talented offensive player, and he we, we've seen enough evidence over the years, even with his flaws, that when he gets going, he can be a difficult guy to contain. And the Lakers, since D'Lo has arrived, he's been their X factor. Like, he, when D'Lo is on, more than any other player not named LeBron or A.D., this team looks more dangerous. And that, like, wherever you think Austin Reeves is in the pecking order, and he entered this year clearly as the perceived number three guy, and he did the photo with LeBron and AD, and Reeves can play very, very well. And there have been times where his play has elevated the Lakers in important games. I still don't think Reeves raises the ceiling of this team the way D'Lo does. No, and he doesn't because D'Lo elevates the way the offense runs and has the capacity to score 34 points like he did last night. You said something that's really interesting, though, about, you know, the length of his contract. And, you know, he's got a player option for about 18 million next year that, you know, the consensus seems to be he's going to pick it up. Um, So if you trade for him, you at least have to do it with the idea that he would, you're going to have him for one more year. Um. It's interesting. Like I, I want to wait for the scouting of report and people who have seen more of Dejounte Murray than I have. I do not spend a ton of time watching Atlanta Hawks basketball because I'm not uh, a self-hating masochistic I mean, person. Why should you be any different than anyone in Atlanta? <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I, I don't know the ins and outs of how he plays on a day to day. I know his statistics for fantasy basketball. That's it. Um. But it's like one thing I will say, if you're looking for an appealing kind of low-key appealing reason to trade for Murray, 
it actually is because he's on a fairly reasonable contract that has more years on it. And the Lakers started down the road to continuity um, this offseason with you know Hachimura and bring, get, the, getting the band back together from last year. But the D'Lo part of it and some of these other things, they, like they, they're still not set in like looking at it where like you could anticipate a core of three or four players for the next few years. Right now it's AD, LeBron for however long this lasts, and Reeves. And then there's a hole there. There's a hole in that third spot. And then there's also a hole in the eventually vacated LeBron space. So one of the actual things that appeals to me about Murray is actually that the Lakers could keep him for a few years. I would then just hope he's good <laughs> because I am. there are things about his game that make me skeptical and some of his statistical changes, things I've read, whatever. But it's funny, like, the the that's actually one of the things that makes this situation kind of interesting. It's like you're looking ahead. If the Lakers sacrificed Delo, can they do that? Can they make a change that actually helps make them more stable and give them continuity? That's, I mean, we talked about things that I would want from the team. Um, I, I want clarity out of the trade deadline to not overcomplicate Darwin's rotation from day to day. But that would actually be another nice little thing, like helping add to the core going forward. I mean, it has to work. And right, exactly. You know, sure. Right. But I'm the reason I say that though is, you know, they talked so much continuity heading into this season, even even with everybody knowing that D'Lo and Rui and even to some degree Reeves, like and Vanderbilt, nothing else the following year once his extension kicks in, like these guys all had tradable deals. They were all considered reasonable enough, movable deals. There still was the idea that continuity was part of this year's plan. And unsaid with that is because we think it's going to work. You only plan on continuity if you think your roster is actually going to perform the way you would expect it. Part of what's gotten in the way of what I think may have been genuine plans for continuity, or at least genuine cautious optimism for continuity is they thought they'd be a hell of a lot better than they are. Right yeah. That, that has been, a, this year has been, it's it, all of these numbers where you can point out, mention the one in the first segment about how they playing when players are healthy and they're not on a back to back and all the, and like, Oh, look, there's some stuff there. And then you see them beat the teams that they have beaten recently. You know, a lot of their 22 wins are against very good teams. Um, and then you look at it and you look at the teams they've lost to and their inability to do certain things from a game-to-game -game basis, I don't think they know. I, I think they don't have nearly enough clarity uh, about what this roster is to make comfortable decisions right now at the trade deadline, and that is something that should make most Lakers fans nervous. Um, huge game tonight, uh, Lakers versus Clippers. This is the hard game as the Lakers have a couple more uh, winnable games at home. Then it's like Chicago. Um, who is the last Andy of the home games? I, I got off my schedule. Um, uh, Chicago, Chicago, and the Bulls are the last of the home games, right. and then they go to Golden State, and then uh, they have Utah and the Hawks. Well, they no Rockets and the Hawks. Yes, thank you. Um, so you know, so a lot. Three game uh, 
you know, so you know, it's it's the Clipper game. Uh, this you know, winning this one uh, on a Clippers home court uh, with a Clippers crowd would be a big deal for the Lakers. Of course, you can catch every minute of that game, every minute of every Lakers game, uh, the, with the hometown broadcast on Sirius XM on the SSSXM app. Search Lakers. Um, we of course will be back after tonight's game to break it all down. Hopefully, a meaningful Lakers win. We'll see everybody tomorrow.